Our main scripture today is John 11, 17 to 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is God's word for his people today. So, Today, we're talking about eternal life, life after death and, and all that. So it's, it's something that's very serious and, and solemn, so we should make sure we approach it with all seriousness. So on that note, there was a, a couple in Minnesota who were looking to, to redo the place they went on vacation uh, when they were on honeymoon. And so they're an older, it's 30 years ago, they had their honeymoon, and so they were going to go down and visit that place, and it was in kind of the tropical area, the, the islands, very remote location. And so they, one thing they looked forward to was a complete getaway, that there was very little communication once they got there, uh, there was no cell phone service or anything. So they made their, their plans, and then the, the wife her job needed her to stay one more day. And so the, they decided, as the husband, he would go ahead and go it on their original schedule. She would come a day later. He would make sure they got their reservation and their, their cabin set up and, and everything. So that was their plan. Uh, when he got there, he found out they had something new. Well, before, there was no contact with the outside world. The resort now had a single computer that you could use to send an email off to your friends. And he thought, well, I should let my wife know I got here okay. So he types in her email by memory, but gets one letter wrong. Meanwhile, in Texas, uh, a widow returns from her husband's funeral. He had been a beloved pastor. And, and it, the, the service went so well, and everyone just remembered him fondly. And she came back feeling okay, um, and then they were kind of having their family wake, and so she decided she would go upstairs and check her email one last time to see if any well-wishers had, had sent an email that she hadn't got, and so downstairs her son suddenly hears a scream and a thud. He runs upstairs to see his mother on the floor, and then he, he looks at the computer and sees this email Um, sees this email. It says, to my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. 
goes on to say, I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. (laughs) And you are allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and have been checked in. It continues. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you then. I hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. It sure is hot down here. I share that because I think it's easy, even when we have the right words about life after death, eternal life, it's still easy to get misunderstandings and and get wrong ideas about what it's like. So my goal today is to outline with some clarity, what does eternal life mean? We're talking about in our series, why Christmas matters, what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to give us eternal life that we might live forever with him in his kingdom. But what does eternal life mean? I'm going to argue today that there are three components to eternal life. It's, it's, it's all eternal life, but three components that we can look at at different angles. And in our main text, this conversation with Jesus and Martha we see all three of those components come up in the conversation. Um, And so I think they come out a little bit within this this text. Jesus' friend, Lazarus was Jesus' friend, and he got very ill, and, and Martha had sent notice to Jesus, hoping that he would come back and heal Lazarus, his friend. And he had healed so many, and... And so the message by the time it got to Jesus was too late, and he was delayed also in coming. So by the time Jesus got to Bethany, which is kind of a suburb of Jerusalem, it was already too late. Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. He wasn't just mostly dead. He was completely dead. Martha comes out to talk to him. Now Mary, the other sister, she, she, she wouldn't even go see him. She's so upset. But Martha goes to see Jesus, and she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had so hoped that Jesus would come and heal him. And there's still some hope in her. She says, Even now, I know God will listen to you. What is she hoping for? And so Jesus responds, Your brother will rise again. I think that's intentionally ambiguous of Jesus. I think he's, he's you know, because he knows what he's going to do next, right? Is that what he's referring to? Or is it more like the future thing, you know, the normal way of, of coming back to life? Like, what's he talking about? And so um, Martha responds in that way. He says, I know... Um, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So there is the first of the components of eternal life that I want to talk about. It's actually, I'm going to list it as the third component. 
but it's the first one that comes up. And that is a future resurrection, the resurrection on the last day. It, within Jesus' teaching, he talked about how he would return, the Son of Man will return, all, all peoples will face the judgment, there will be the sorting between those who belong to God and those who do not, and then those who are his will enter into the eternal kingdom. They will enter into the, the joy of the master. All kinds of parables point to that, that future resurrection. And actually, that, that was not completely new teaching among the Jews of his time. The, especially the Pharisees believed in, in this resurrection to come. Matthew 13, 43 talks about, it says, Then, at this resurrection, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So a future day of resurrection. Martha is sort of hoping for something more immediate. And so when she says, yes, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the righteous, it's like, but I was hoping for more. And Jesus responds to that. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am, the, you are right, Martha, there is more. Eternal life is not just in the future. I am the, the hope that you are waiting for. The hope that the people of God were waiting for is here in person standing before you. I am the resurrection and the life. And in that same verse then he goes out to outline two, two other of the components. The first one is this. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So what's that saying? The one who has put their faith in Christ, when they die, yet will live. It's talking about life after death. We as followers of Christ will face death at some point, unless he returns before then. But we know that this life is not the end for those who have Jesus in their life. There's something more. So that's the second component of eternal life. The next half of that phrase sounds like it's saying the same thing. And I kind of have in the past read it that way. But I think if we look closer, it is a little different. So the first one was, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So it's not talking about life after death. It's talking about life and, and faith in Jesus, whoever lives and believes and puts their faith in Jesus. What do we have? We have life right now. Eternal life begins the moment we put our faith in the Savior. Ephesians 1 talks about how we are included in salvation when we hear the message and believe. And at that point, it says the Holy Spirit comes in and it, it seals us for eternal life. It's a deposit. The, the Spirit of, of Christ is in us. And that's a deposit guaranteeing eternal life. We don't wait to receive eternal life when we die. We receive eternal life when we yield our life to Jesus and he comes. His life comes into us when he comes into our life. Martha is trying to think this out and understand it. And I think Jesus is saying this to her to help her understand, to help her figure it out. I'm not sure she would have completely understood all that he was saying in, in these short phrases. I, I doubt if she did. In fact, it's, it's difficult to understand. But I love her response. 
She says, yes, Lord. When Jesus asks, do you believe this? It says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. In other words, she may not understand all that he's saying about this, this stuff. I don't know if we'll stand this, but I trust you. And to be honest, that's what matters. right? You can, you can get wrong ideas about how eternal life works and all of that and still enter into eternal life because it's not our belief about eternal life that matters. It's, it's our faith in Jesus. And so if, if in this sermon I confuse you, first of all, forgive me. And second of all, forget it and just trust in Jesus and know that when you have him, we get to spend forever with him and it's all good, okay? So if I get into the, the nitty-gritty of some of this theological stuff and just confuse you, man, just come back, in a, you know, come back next Sunday, it'll be better, right? Um, okay, so, so that's this conversation. There are two other things that happen I want to mention quick because I want to I want to dwell on those three components, but if you look at the rest of the story, two things happen. First of all, Jesus wants to speak to Mary. Mary, the other sister, the one who was so upset she didn't want to see Jesus in the first place. So with Martha, Jesus tries to help her think it out. Martha is the thinker, right? She wants to understand it in her mind. Mary is different. Mary comes up, and what's interesting is when she comes to Jesus, She says the same thing Martha did. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And what does she do then? She breaks down crying. She responds with her heart. She responds emotionally. And what does Jesus do? Does he give her a long speech about how eternal life and everything? No. He says, show me the tomb. And he goes with her to where Lazarus is buried And then he cries with her. He weeps with her. Now he knows he's going to raise Lazarus back from the dead. But he weeps with her. I love that. That to one he responded with thinking. And to the the other he responded with with, uh, compassion and empathy. But then Jesus does one last thing. He brings Lazarus back to life. He, He calls him out of the grave and, and, and after four days, he brings them back out. Uh, and, and he does that. He shows he has the power over life and death in the first place. He backs up his words by actions. Jesus is not just words and teaching. He's not just empathy and sympathy. He demonstrates he has authority over life and death, which is good because his mission, why did he come? Jesus came that we might have eternal life, to give us eternal life, that we might live forever with him in his kingdom. That was his purpose in coming. So let's go back to the three components of eternal life that I, I, I mentioned. And um, it is mandatory as a pastor that I use alliteration. So the three components are regeneration, rest, and resurrection. So the first one, regeneration. What does that mean? Regeneration means made alive again. Made alive again. Eternal life begins when we put our faith in Christ. He comes into our life and his life is inside of us. Ephesians 2 is the the best place that describes this taking place. Ephesians 2 starts off by saying, because of our sins, we were dead 
in our transgressions and sins. We, we um, thought that we could get life by deciding for ourselves what is right and what is wrong, by, by going against God and, and deciding for ourselves our, our what is good and evil, and instead that brought us death instead of life. And so all people outside of Christ are spiritually dead. They're unable to save themselves. They're unable to undo that situation. That's what it means to be dead. We could not save ourselves, but God in his mercy has intervened. And that's what it says. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We are made alive again by the Holy Spirit coming into our life and, and making, giving us this eternal life in the here and now. It was his work in us, not our, any religious work that we had done by which we gain eternal life. And then it goes on to the next part of the verse is important. So he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice the tense is there. It is past tense. It happens, or it happens when we put our faith in Jesus. It has already been done, right? It's not something we look forward to. When we come to Jesus, that's what happens. So it says that we are seated with Jesus in heaven. I don't know about you. I sort of feel like I'm still on earth. Like, what does this mean? It's talking about our spiritual position. Um, what does it mean to have eternal life? Our spiritual position is already set. We are already spiritually positioned with Christ in the eternal realms, in heaven. So it's another way of saying we don't wait to receive eternal life. We are already given it in this life. John 5.24 says the same thing in a different way. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. It's like the picture of you, you Jesus being a bridge. He's, he's the bridge you've, we've already walked into. Our spiritual position is already eternal life. So that's the first component, regeneration. The second component, rest. This happens when we physically die on earth. We are then at rest in his presence. Jesus made a promise. He says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. When we come to him, he comes inside our life. He's in us. He's with us. And that's still true when we die. And so when this body gives way and no longer can work, that's okay. Because when we're away from the body... We'll be present with the Lord, is what Paul says. Or, or when the Apostle Paul is facing death and by the Romans, he says, it's better that I depart and be with Christ. He's talking about his death. So when this body gives way, we will immediately be with him. We're already spiritually positioned in heaven. So we go to where that spiritual position is. And where is Jesus? The Apostles' Creed tells us, he is at the right hand of the Father who is in heaven. He's in the eternal throne room. As it's pictured in Revelation 4, 5, and 6, especially you have the, the crystal sea and the one upon the throne and the lightning and all this incredible. Jesus is seated on the throne. 
um, alongside his father. And so we go where he's at. And Revelation 14 talks about, it says, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. So in this life, as followers of Christ, we have work to do. We are to, to follow him, to glorify him, to honor him. We, but when we enter into his care, we lay down our burdens and take up his rest in his presence. The worries and work of this world is over and we are at peace with him. Um, the Bible even describes that as being asleep in Christ. This time is known as the interim state. It is not the final state for believers that is yet to come, but it's the interim state. It's the time between our death and the resurrection at the end. This is, I think, the hardest part of eternal life to, to, to understand. And it's one area that I've, I think my thinking has been refined over the years and as I've worked through the scriptures, I've thought about, as a pastor, I have to think about death a decent amount. Um, you speak at enough funerals, you start, you know, or you're sitting at people's, you know, bedside when they're dying. I, 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 mad, I wonder how much do, does normal people think about death? Um, but I know I end up thinking about it a lot. And so I've, I'm always thinking, how does it work? When I was in seminary, I was an associate pastor, youth pastor, in, in my previous church, and the head pastor, Dave Hunt, would love to talk theology with me. He'd come into my office, and we'd have these long conversations, and I always wondered, like, how does he have so much time? You know, is that what it means to be a head pastor? You have all this time. Like, I was doing seminary. I was running a youth program. My wife was pregnant. Katie was a toddler. You know, like, I... But anyway, so he's the head pastor, so we sit and talk theology. And, and he came in, and he was preaching through Revelation, and he was talking about Revelation 6. And that is where it talks about the fifth seal. So that's what we're going to get into. And so he asked me this question that I, I wasn't sure how to answer. Um, he says, in the interim time, will God give the souls of believers some kind of temporary body before the resurrection? Will God give the, the soul some kind of temporary body? That was, that's what he was working on in his own thinking. And I said, well, I don't think it's going to work like that. And so my answer at the time was, I think it'll just be like, you know, that interim time, we'll just be like we're asleep. And we'll be unconscious and unaware. And for us, it will, you know, our, our souls will be safe with Jesus, but we won't have any conscious happenings. For us, it'll be like we... We die, and then we wake up again at the end of time when, when Jesus um, raises everyone from the dead. And so I didn't realize at the time I was still, that that actually has a name. It's called soul sleep. But it's, it's one of those debatable issues. And by the way, everything I'm talking about this is one of those debatable issues that should not divide Christians. I was even reading recently how John Calvin, when he said issues that should not divide Christians, he cited this very one, how, how the interim state works as one of those. So different thoughts are, are okay. There's no, uh, no major thing. So, so anyways, that was the, the thing I'd said to Dave Hunt. Um, and I had reasons. 
Because the Bible does talk about believers who've died as being asleep in Christ. Um, John 11, before Jesus went and raised Lazarus, he, he said to his disciples, Lazarus is asleep, I'm going to wake him up. Paul talks about us being asleep in Christ until the day when Jesus wakes us up at the end. So that was my reasoning. Um, Pastor Dave challenged me on that, though. And he specifically um, looked at Revelation 6. And in Revelation 6, there's a, a point in heaven where the fifth seal on the, the scroll is opened. And when that happens, it says there's souls under the altar that within the heavenly throne room speak up. And they, 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 they talk to God and they say, how long, O Lord, until you, you bring justice for us? They, these are souls who have been martyred. They have been killed by the, the Romans for their faith in Christ. Maybe some of them had, had been eaten, killed, thrown to the animals. So maybe their bodies were buried or maybe their bodies were eaten, but now their souls are with Christ and they speak out. And so they're saying, how long, O Lord, until you put an end to all the struggles and trials? How long until you deal with those who've, who've done all this bad stuff? And it says, they were each given a white robe symbolizing the righteousness of Christ. And, the, and it says, and they're told to rest a little longer. So that in that scene, the souls of believers seem to be aware, and they're aware of what's going on in heaven as well as what's going on on earth. Over time, I have come to the conclusion that I, I think Dave Hunt was right. That's that's where I kind of land now. That after we die, we will be with our Lord in His throne room, but not be unconscious but, or unaware. Instead, we will behold the one upon the throne. That in that interim state, we will be like the souls under the altar. That, and, and within the, the crystal sea, and we'll see him, the one who made us. And we'll see his glory and awesomeness. And, and it will just be incredible. That we'll enter into that place. Now, but here's the thing. I don't think we'll have bodies. It'll be us beholding God directly. And because of that, I think time will pass differently than on earth. Think about, like, what, what would keep you from spending 24 hours a day in worship? Your body, hunger. You get tired. You, you, your muscles start to hurt sitting on the, the pew, no matter how padded they are, right? It's your bodies that help us even... Take note of time, you know, after so many hours you want to eat again, after more hours you want to sleep again. But if we have no bodies to distract us, no bodies even to mark the pass of time, we'll not be subject to any of that, I think we'll be so entranced with the awesome vision of God that though a thousand years pass, it will seem as nothing to us. And so that is where I've kind of landed on how I think the interim state will work. If you have other views, I just want you to know that's okay. These are debatable issues. But I, I find it fascinating to think about how might it work. And I, I think the idea of being with Christ and seeing that vision is, is awesome. Um, and I think like the souls who are in the vision, it said, and we will wait just a little longer 
And what will we wait for? The third component. The day when the trumpet sounds and the dead arise in Christ. The great resurrection. Just as Jesus was resurrected, so will all who belong to him. The day will come when believers in Christ will be raised literally from the dead. We will be given bodies again. 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to look more into this, the whole chapter is focused on this idea. If Jesus was raised from the dead, so will all who belong to him, all who are in him. And as he was raised physically, when he was raised physically, he walked around. He, he, the, the tomb was empty. His body was moving again. He, he would eat fish or other things to show that he was alive, that he, he walked around with his disciples. He interacted with people. He could be touched that will be us. We will have resurrected bodies. Um, the jet, dead are raised in the final judgment. And we will live in his kingdom. Or what the Revelation 21 calls the new heaven and the new earth. Everything that was wrong with this world will be fixed. Everything that doesn't work right will be, will be set right. The curse of sin will be removed completely. Creation will be renewed so that we are set free. The creation will be set free from its bondage to decay. Our bodies will be uh, raised to full strength, imperishable, not prone to weakness or sickness or, or any of the problems that we have now. And, and best of all, our inner beings will be at peace. They'll be we won't be full of anxiety or dread. We won't be prone to, to fits of anger as we so often now. Everything will be right inside and out and death will be defeated. In, in Eden, there was one tree of life. It says in Revelation, the great river coming from the throne of God, that river will be lined with the trees of life accessible to all who are part of this community. And and God will live right in the center of it all so that we could behold him at any time. And there will be a community of people from all nations and tribes and tongues and languages. We will be able to see him day and night as we interact with one another. That is the final vision for believers in Christ. I don't know how it will all work. I, I suspect God will have some work for us to do within it. But I, I am confident we will not be bored. That, that it is something no one wants to miss. That, that it is the, who can imagine what God has planned for those who love him? And so that's the, to sum it up, the three components. Regeneration, rest, resurrection. Which one of those gives you the most comfort right now? Which one of those? That's, that's a question just to think about. Which, which one are you like, oh man, I'm so glad that that's part of eternal life. I want to do one last question before I close. Is this different from what our culture tells us about life after death? How does our culture, uh, how does the cultural view of, of all this, how is it different from what the Bible teaches? And I, I want to offer, I think the, the one main thing that the culture confuses is when it talks about eternal life, it is always about us. It's about us being rewarded for our life on earth 
Or if we had a really hard life, it's about us being, you know, God makes up for us by giving us a really good eternity. Um, you know, the, there's the TV show, The Good Place. That was the main theme of that. Life after death, when, when we tell the story, when our culture tells the story, life after death is about us. We, what we want is at the center of things. You ever hear of the, the oh, he's, he's playing the great golf course in the sky, right? That kind of idea, that we're rewarded for our life. The Bible story is radically different. Eternal life is primarily about being in his presence, with him. God and his grace are at the center of the story, not our desires or dreams. The eternal life means we're united to Christ. He's with us always. And, and in eternal life, the Lord is at the center of a community of people who live connected to him. And we, we bring our desires in line with him being at the center. If I can illustrate that with, with one idea. That is rock star heaven versus marching band heaven. Our world wants rock star heaven, right? Can you picture that rock star heaven where all the lights, all the focus is on that one person? Right? We all want to be the one center of attention. Everything's about us and our whims and our desires. And you have stories of rock stars who get whatever they want. That's the story the world tells about what heaven is like. The story the Bible says is instead it'll be like a marching band in that we each bring a unique aspect to eternal life. Like in your marching band, you play different instruments, um, but, but the focus of your attention is on the director who's guiding and pulling everyone together so that you can bring your, your uniqueness, your individuality into a community that's working together with the one who's at the center that's how eternal life is meant to work. That's the picture we see in Revelation. That, that we will bring who we are. And God will, will unite us together and will live as a community of people with, with the Lord at the center for eternity. Marching be in heaven. The nice thing is, is we can begin preparing for eternal life right now. And how do we do that? We begin to make him the center of our life the center of our worship, the center of our day-to-day -day decisions. We make him, the, give him the central place in our heart and the central place in our mind. We spend time thinking about him, meditating on his, his and what he's done for us. We, we come and worship and we, we, we offer our heart's praises to him. Instead of working to exalt ourselves and get famous and have everyone like us, instead we, we make our effort to, to lift him up and to honor him and to point people to his goodness. Instead of seeking to be glorified, we fall on our face um, like the elders do in heaven and we, we lift up Jesus. What if in 2021, you go into this year with this determination, I will make him the center. I will put him at the center of what I do and what I think and how I live. I want to get ready for that eternal life. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you have great plans for us in eternal life. And even as we, we don't always understand the details, we can't imagine all that it will be. We know you. We trust you, Lord Jesus. 
and, and we are ready to be with you for, for whatever you have for us. And so with this in mind, Jesus, we, we give you honor and praise this morning. Amen.